welcome back. This podcast is scheduled for one fall. With a 60-minute time limit coming out of the black corner to combine a weight of 666 pounds, recording to you from Pat McAfee's War Room. I'm your boy Xander Hobbs. This is... I'm Bobby Stingers Up B. And once again, we're bringing you another edition of the... Wrestle Apocalypse. Indeed, it is. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, or whenever the hell you're listening to this thing, Wrestle We have quite a few things to go over. We had some big happenings in the pro wrestling world. And then, as always, we're going to be hitting you with some hard hitting, cool shit. So, let's get into it. Yeah, man. Let's get just jump right into. Uh... The newest multi-billion dollar entertainment conglomerate, uh, TKO, which owns, obviously, WWE. Um, and man, they really brought the heat since last time we got together. I know, man, because we had not only Pat McAfee, who is a national treasure in himself, but we had the return of The Rock, the great one, Dwayne and, Johnson. And not The Miz impersonation which is excellent as well it's pretty good but the actual rock came out and did what he did and just electrified the crowd i didn't know that he was supposed to come back bobby did you know no no but i mean um it makes sense when you realize that uh, as actors and writers are striking john cena and the rock on back at wwe right like that's right so I feel there's a little bit of schadenfreude with it, but it was cool to see him back. You talk about pops, right? We talk about pops like, dude, it was, it was intense. Dude. He could have done if he, they would let him or he could have let the whole crowd do that. You're an asshole chant back and forth. That could have went the whole show. hundred percent. Like they never would have stopped. Seriously. And um, it was great. I, I liked the rock and I enjoyed seeing him back. And that whole segment with Pat McAfee and also too big um, rub for Austin Theory. So now he's been in the ring with um, Austin and The Rock. So, you know, there seems to be like some big happenings for this guy. And rightfully so, because I think he's a really good in-ring talent. He's been kind of um, stutter stepping a little bit, like spinning his wheels um, since he lost the U.S. title. But this program that he well it's not a program but like just him having a segment with the rock is huge yeah 100 percent. like if you were like i mean i probably most wrestlers i imagine it's like of his age right like who do you want to be in the ring with like stone cold steve austin the rock like undertaker and right chris jericho the i mean like all the classics yeah and to get that opportunity and even though he's not wrestling a match with the rock like i don't know it's pretty cool to say that you you know, you had that interaction. And and so I think it's good. I've always liked Austin Theory, and I feel like he's one of those guys that makes, um, as we like to say here, chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah, for sure. Like, he's tra- he tries to own every gimmick, and that's important because, like, bookers and creatives sees that, and eventually they're going to find the right fit for him that isn't just this, like, I don't know, he's, his character is just really, like, you, it's like if you like look through the wrestling Rolodex of different characters, like, oh, young braggadocio guy who he's kind of does the same thing. And I think there's more. I think he has more talent than that. I think he does, too. And I, I'm glad that you brought that up because he doesn't really have like a character except like the swarmy, 
you know, like shit talking heel, which has been done so many times. But I think it's just the right place for the right time. And, you know, he's just got to be patient, which he is. And I think some he's gonna be he's gonna be one of the guys that they're looking to like in the long run, honestly. Like between him, Dom, Solo, um, Grayson, those are like the guys that Gunther. they're yeah, Gunther. Now I don't want to use the term grooming, but like they are oh no, 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 not on this. No, hey, hey, we didn't mean it that way. We didn't mean, didn't it, mean that. it like that. We meant it like um, uh, developing. We're developing talent. There, right? Thank you. No, thank and I think it's crazy. It's like, it's funny that it's like, like he's patient. It's like, how could he be patient when you're at his age and you've already been in the ring with these like legends? It's like, right. I mean, he had know. a match with John Cena at WrestleMania. Like, that's... yeah, and he's held a title twice. Like, Ex- exactly. No, I think he's great. I think it's just a matter of him coming into his own and like, I, I'm not putting like, it's, it's a, uh, it's an apples to oranges comparison, but there is some similarities to like when you think about like MJF's like current like story arc, it's like they have to prove that they can develop into something more than just that Rolodex card. Right. I that agree. Rolodex card is always going to be there. Austin Theory is good enough in the ring. He's always going to have matches as a Shmarmy heel. The question yeah. is like, where can you go from there? Right. Exactly. And I think he can go a lot. I think he has a lot to go. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about the, like, the what, the four pillars of a, well, I guess it's three now. Sorry, Jack Barry. <laughs> Yo, wow. Yeah. It's, it's more like, like a pyramid, but like Austin Theory is one of the best young talents on the main roster. 100%. So it's cool seeing him get that. Um, and again, like, you're right, man, just the rock coming out. If you, you bought tickets to that show, you didn't know. And all of a sudden you're like, Dude. I just saw the rock in person. I was, That's I was awesome. so sitting in my, um living room watching it i can imagine being there yeah man yeah but uh, um moving along um aj styles is back well he's back on tv and in a more prominent role but he um did the job to uh soul sokoa right um no 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 no, no. i i got all i i'm sorry i should have better i should have put that better um no, he lost to Finn Balor. Oh, that's right. That's right. He lost. He lost to Finn Balor. Right, what which is why that was my. I'm be, I was being clever, audience. I in the, in our document, I put Styles Judge does the job for the guy who always does the job because he's always Finn Balor that's, has always seemed to do the job, and now all of a sudden Styles is. But um, there was an us an USO appearance in that, which which created some issues. So yeah, so it looks like that. They're, what they're what they have set up is the bloodline and the judgment day kind of like um converged together and so now aj styles is a part of this and like i don't know if he'll be getting help, any uh, help from anyone from his boys the oc but um i don't know if i like seeing styles in this role of getting beat down like i no. you know we're aj styles fans so i'd like to see him do something more like I guess it's a big program because the Judgment Day and Bloodline are the hottest things right now in WWE heel-wise. So he's feuding with both heel factions. So I guess that's not too bad if you look at it that way. No, but I think this this uh, definitely foreshadows the breaking up of the OC, which they should do because like one faction that's not making the finals of the end of the year awards for best faction is the OC. Not you know, it just didn't there. work and like, I don't know, man. 
we watched AEW and we watched WWE. So seeing the Good Brothers come back and it's just like, I don't know, man. I just don't think I, I, the, the Good Brothers are really that good. No. <laughs> I mean, it's more like if they're like for wrestling heads, you know, it's like because you know what they did in New Japan and you know this stuff and you've seen this and you're like, you're invested in this nostalgic history. But like in the last 24 months, I mean, generally speaking, in AEW, they were making like masturbation jokes. Right. And then now they come over here and nobody likes them enough. The crowd's not behind them enough for any program. And they're literally just like an anchor on on AJ Styles. More like an albatross. Yes. So I agree with that. But, um, you know, it's I think it's the feud that has to happen. And it creates a lot of momentum and good storylines. and with with these factions, you get so many matches out of it. I think it's really smart. Right, and I think right. it elevates Judgment Day. Because they it were kind of like, they've had their ups and downs, man. Yeah, but the, honestly, you know, next to the Bloodline stuff, they're kind of like the big deal right now. Like the top heels on in, in the WWE, you know, since they go back and forth now. Um, so I don't really have a problem with it, waiting out to see how this moves forward. SmackDown, I thought, was kind of mid. I, I didn't I didn't enjoy it as much as I did raw. Mm-mm. Now the only the only person with the brand split who can't cross over is apparently Jay Uso. Right. Like because the judgment day is on every show, like literally yeah. every show. Yeah, they are. Uh props to Dom, NXT. props to Dom on his NXT performances. Oh, they gotta, gotta keep what like we're not we don't got time to cover NXT, but Dominic Mysterio is going to blow people's minds who only watch Raw or SmackDown when they unleash him. As he, had a, he had a great match with Carmelo Hayes, and I'll just keep it at that. Like, yeah, man, check it out for sure. And um, NXT, I know we don't have time to cover NXT, but NXT has been pretty decent, like with Bex and um, um, Dom, and then uh, Eli Dragunov is going to go up against Carmelo Hayes in Bakersfield. It's yeah, been- Tiffany Stratton seems like a legit talent who's going to have legs move into the main roster and- yeah so i like this mixing in the um main roster people with the nxt because it's kind of elevating the younger talent so it, that's i thought that was a good move overall yeah man it's it's the it's the house that um the lone wolf built that's right but um moving Anyways. on to raw yeah i thought raw was awesome yeah it was a good I'm show like, like that match I- with jay uso and drew mcintyre was fantastic and it's like, whoever is writing this story, the the ability to understand that putting Jey Uso into Raw and having continuity to the bloodline yeah. gives you infinite amount of matches and feuds. Well, that's what we've wanted as wrestling fans, right? Like, we get on the writers and the creative team for um, not following through or not showing any continuity. And now they're finally doing it. And this is what we like because we remember shit This because we're wrestling nerds. So I just think that it's great because it would have been weird if he came back and everybody was all friends and glad handing each other and playing grab ass. But no, people remembered shit and we remember shit as the viewers. And that's how it should be. Yeah, it's awesome. It makes it so, so good. And like. He's going to feud with McIntyre. Kevin Owens doesn't like him. He still has an ally in Sami Zayn. It's like the storyline is so good. 
and it just like notches it up a bit. And then obviously they've also got this like back and forth with the LA Knight and Miz feud. Right. It's continuing. So, you know, it was really good, but I do want to say you mentioned him. Great match, but like Drew McIntyre, man, like call Freddie Prince Jr. Call, call somebody. You better call somebody. But like, find that dude a program that is better than what you've done. Yeah, he because I think he just needs a fresh coat of paint in general. Like they've been, I've been reading like the dirt sheets, and they're saying about like the possibility of him turning heel, and they're showing signs of it on Raw right now. So I think that would be great because I like McIntyre, and I thought he had like he had like he got dealt a shitty hand when he was the COVID champion. I mean, he was still champion, but like he never got to have that championship title in front of the crowd like he deserved. Yeah, I totally agree with that. But I like if they do an Xavier Woods and Drew McIntyre feud, I feel in a way it's like I will enjoy it as a wrestling nerd. And I think it will be good for Raw. Like if I was a corporate Raw guy, I'm like, this is awesome. But it's like Drew McIntyre is like, what? You just put him up for mid card, dog. Like, yeah. He's not there. Like, he's not that guy. He needs to be, you need to, like, somebody's got to figure something out. And I get it. It's crowded, right? It's always crowded at the top. The, the, the top is pretty crowded right now. Dude, the guy gets pops always. The way he, the way he carries himself in the ring, the matches he can have. I mean, I just feel like there's a place for him, but, you know, they got to, they got to work that out for sure. Yeah, exactly. Cause the guy checks all the boxes. So they need, like, they need to do something about it quickly. Yeah, I mean, he's already he already fired him once and came back and strapped him. Like, what more do you need to do? Right. Uh, but one guy who's going to get strapped in the near future, and near, I mean, like, I don't know, maybe a year or so, Chad Gable. Wait, wait. Me some Chad Gold Gable. medal winning Chad Gable. Absolutely. Uh, loved, loved his program with Gunter. It was awesome. And like, we all knew the outcome, what it was going to be, but still it didn't take away from like the quality of matches and segments that these guys have had. I know it gets a little bit much when they're like constantly wrestling the lackeys, but still it gives Chad Gable more screen time. And I'm cool with that. Um, Cause they've got such a deep roster and I'm really stoked that they're finally like doing something with some of these guys. Like I like the annoying shush Gable. That was pretty funny, <laughs> but like now that he's like serious it's pretty, I think it's better because I, I think it works out better for him, works out better for Alpha Academy and like all the programs that he's going to be in moving forward. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And it's like, I feel like whoever is making decisions, as we've talked about just previously, it's like they're creating a good, nice stratification of talent. Like, where do you belong? Like, right, 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 right. Not everyone's main eventers. Then there's like, you know, upper mid, like all of the different and then uh, levels of wrestling. And it's cool because once you're in a place, you can perform well enough to move up. Yeah. Well, when everybody, when everything's like in mud and there's no sense of where anybody actually stands, it's really hard to like go out and prove yourself because you're not really necessarily wrestling someone on your level. Right. You know, you're not necessarily in a storyline where you can, you can uh, make make inroads in that ability, right? So it's like 
I don't know. I just feel like, and I think this is probably when we talk about AEW, this is be something that I think is the opposite for them right now. Right. But back to your um, point real quick. Like, um, WWE, sta- they, are, they are stacking their talent correctly. Yeah. And, and the men's division. And and what and to to add to your point, what I was trying to say is um, that when you stack your talent properly and then you give them the opportunities to have these bangers of matches, that gives them more of the opportunity, like you were saying, to move up on the card. So it's like, I don't think we're going to be seeing Chad Gable in the main event, but I can see him in the upper mid card. Like, I mean, he was in an upper mid card program with Gunther. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And he's also he's also put the work in and he's sold every nonsense you've given him. Exactly. He's come a long way from Shorty G. Yeah, and he could legitimately shoot on everybody in that locker room. In that room. locker room, for <laughs> so, sure. <laughs> uh, but it, WWE is firing on all cylinders. They just, you know, Dana White and the whole TKO crowd, they're all saying the right things. The stock is trading at over $100 a share, which is pretty impressive. And um, they're, you know, they've got, they're marching toward their next premium live event. So can't really complain about that. I mean, we can knit and pick, but like, I would say if we go back and listen to a September, mid-September episode of this podcast from last year, we were probably burying. Oh, we were burying the hell out of it. I know that for a fact. So like, just what a stunning turnaround and just things have broke their way and things have not broke their way. But they've handled them really well. Like, uh, and so here we are. I mean, we've got some incredible top of the top, top level talents going. You got Seth Rollins, Cody Rhodes, Roman Reigns, Jay Uso with the IC title. Like, you've got compelling stories with Uso, Bloodline, Judgment Day, Judgment Day, KO, all that stuff. The women's, the women's thing they're trying to sort out. I don't know where that's going to go, but. I'm optimistic. I like you said, I like Bex in NXT. I felt uh the whole program they had with that Bex had with um Trish was really good. Um so I think that yeah, I mean I'm I'm optimistic. I can't wait to see the next premium live event. Oh, me too. Like I think it's Survivor series, yeah. I think there's one more before Survivor Series. We'll check it. We're gonna we'll 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 come back with the answer later. We can't be bogged down. Yeah. All right. Time crunch. It's a 60 minute time limit. AEW, man. uh, This shit's all over the place, man. As it should be, right? They've (laughs) they've fired a lot of people, big people, lots of changes. Changes. Uh and they did a lot of shit just to get those two pay-per-views like to where they're at, right? Yeah. So what things I, think, I like. Things right you like. Go, go ahead. Fucking MJF is that promo where he brought back Steiner math. Oh yeah. Dude. Watch that like, today. That was great. Oh. And the way he just like, shits on Roddy Strong is like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Adam. It's the truth. It's just like he is. Phenomenal. He's the, he's the best thing going on in that company right now. And they would do themselves a favor by involving him more. They're doing they're doing just enough with him, honestly. I take that back. They're doing just enough with him, but like without like overexposing him, because you know, you don't want that either. But I think what they were doing last week was setting up for tonight, which is what we'll be covering next week. With um, the battle, not the battle of belts. I forgot Grand Slam. I think that's what it's called. 
So it's a bunch of title matches. Um, I'm it's like Claudio Castagnoli and Eddie Kingston, which is I'm looking forward to that one. Um, the Battle of Les Sex Gods, uh, Chris Jericho yeah. and Sammy. That's a good one. The the title match was Soraya and Tony Storm. So they they had a, they have a good card. Like I like Tony Storm though. Like we I love Tony Storm. We, we said it before, and I thought I liked how she stole that number one contender spot, which caused friction between Britt Baker and Sheeta. But like I don't know if we need to see another match of that. But no, I mean it's just like it's not that it's bad. It's just like they're like. <sighs> It's like the cooking show where like the cake is broken and they're like they're putting it together and like putting the frosting on and like here it is. You're like, yeah, it's good. The tape's good. Frosting's great, but like it's not quite there. And obviously, like the biggest thing is just that like Daniel Bryanson is I don't know, like in my mind, there's like the Mount Rushmore, and then there's like the Indian guy. Yeah. Daniel Bryanson right now is the Indian guy, but he's side eyeballing like how like I feel he's really close to being to breaking into like the top a top four conversation of Reigns wrestlers of all time. I think so. Cause the guy <laughs> I mean, he doesn't put on a bad match and he can wrestle anyone and make it like compelling, any type of match. And like just the way he carries himself on the mic. And I uh, just the way I don't know his whole presentation. The guy is awesome, and I just keep wanting uh, to see more segments of him. Like regardless if it's in the Blackpool Combat Club, as long as I get to see Danielson, it's totally cool. Like I can forgive that. But um, I just I just want to see more. I'm excited for his match with Zack Saber Jr. because that's going to be a fucking clinic. Yeah, exactly. And he's just calling it out. He's like, I just want to I'm going to wrestle the best technical wrestler. And guess what that match is going to be. It's going to be catch, 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 can wrestling. There's going to be holds, reversals. Like, if you're coming, like, we might, maybe they'll schedule, like, a Young Bucks match afterwards for the people who want the flippy-dippy stuff. Right. But, like, that's what he's bringing. It's cool. Like, he's earned that right to call his shot. Yeah, and it's bringing something different to the show to where not, I was just having a conversation to new subscriber Josh, by the way, shout out when you're listening to this, um, that he was talking about. Yeah, thank you. Um, we were talking about how like there needs to be like differences, and you know, you when you have these like flip pile drivers through the table and then a kick out, but then you know, you have like a grinder like Danielson who just is a wrestler, and that's what he says in his promos. He wrestles, and that's what me and you grew up watching. That's what a bunch of other people that watch it. I'm not saying I'm against the flippy shit, but I'm just saying like it brings a refreshing change of pace to the AW product. Yeah, and I think, like, you know, one of the things with the Hardys when they came out was refreshing was they were bringing this new element that right. was so different from what everyone else was doing, right? And that's what you need. It's always about the variety. It's the 31 flavor analogy that Xander's been since day one, right? It's like, exactly. why would you only want vanilla if you had 31 flavors, right? Yeah. And, and it's don't give like me... Don't give me six scoops of vanilla and that, you know, it's like there's a there's a way to do it. Um, but I just think Danielson, it's like I think it says a lot. I feel and I think we talked about this a little bit like. Tony Khan wouldn't have fired CM Punk before the Chicago pay-per-view 
if Brian Danielson wasn't medically cleared. Right. No, I agree. Uh, with with the situation where it was that they could make that strap match work, he knew he had his guy, right? Like he looked at he looked at A and B, Phil, Dana Ryanson, and he saw like he made the right decision. Like when wherever that may be, as far as a company and a product, like that Dan Daniel Bryanson is gonna go to the mat for you. He's not going to do that. He's he is the ultimate positive influence in your promotion. Right on. Yeah. Well said. But um, we did get um a main event match with uh, Chris, as you call her, Strapped Lander. I'm trying to get that going. Come on. Trying to make that a thing. I'm trying to make that a thing <laughs> against Doctor Britt Baker, DMD. And um, I like Statlander. I'm, I don't know, like, if there's any fans out there, but, like, I, I think she's great now that she's finally healthy. She had some bad breaks getting injured, but they did the right thing. Uh, she had a good match a couple of weeks ago with Jade Cargill, and that was Jade Cargill's send-off. Um, they shook hands in the middle of the ring. I thought it was, a, I thought it was the first serviceable match that Jade Cargill had. Um, 100%. 100%. And that's, yeah. thanks, and that's thanks to Straplander leading the way. Yeah, uh, man, it's cool because what uh you know we had the family vacation out in the Des, and uh one morning um the prodigy and uh the other kids they found the floor is lava on Netflix. Oh and the best friends with, with Straplander were on there. Oh, it was, it really? Yeah, it was uh Straplander, it was um Chucky, the bigger one. Yeah, and uh, Orange Cassidy. Oh, nice. Yeah. The only one who made it to the end, the alien, the alien as, as, oh, as sorry, spoiler be. alert, but as, yeah, I love it. Like she has like that, her having that title, like helps that women's division so much. Yeah. And I think this is a good way to like develop her to eventually get up to the main title. Cause it looks like the TBS title is like the B title for the women. And then like, you know, maybe you work your way up to the AW world title and they need more viable people up in that title picture. And I know that Stat- Statlander will be the one, one of them that's in there. Cause she's just, she's a great talent. Yeah, man. She's a physical specimen. She reminds me, um, in some ways of Gianna Perrazzo. Yeah, I can see that. They just have like they wrestle. They have a modern wrestling style, and they're very athletic and physical women who can really uh, show that in the ring. So I'm with you. Um, but oh man, um, I think before we're at eight twenty eight, we got two minutes left. I just want to the probably the highlight of wrestling, and I don't know for a long time was the return. Of Nia Jax. Oh my God. Why? Why? I don't know, man. But it's like, I feel bad for her because it's like, I'm sure she wasn't calling them up. Like, I want to come back. Like, hey, come back. And they paid her. And just the reaction that she's gotten and stuff is like, it's pretty terrible, to be honest. But yeah, I mean, yeah. I don't know. No, she's not very good. I I know. I know she's not very good, but she's like, uh, you know, it's like, it's this thing. And so are you mad that people are burying her that, that she's back? 
No. Well, I mean, yeah. Don't bury her. Don't even bury her. Gives her heat. Don't even do that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I said just don't, don't acknowledge do the fact that she's even back. That's what I. That's what I was about to say. I was like, don't you acknowledge know? it, and she'll go away again. Yeah, especially because she talked all that ish. How she didn't even want to come back. Right. 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 It's right. Like I don't know. She's probably sniffing around. She's probably like she's got her 23 and me. She's like, look, I'm Samoan. I'm part Samoan. Give me in on that bloodline. Give me some bloodline money. Give me some bloodline merch. Oh man, if she joins the bloodline, that jumps the shark. <laughs> Well, what a perfect way to end our first half. That was a hard-hitting first 30 minutes, man. Oh, yeah. We got right through that. I was impressed. I know. We got to get through the first half on time because the second half. We we got a long second half. Ah, I see. It tends to run long. But you know what? The people love it. You love it. I love it. We all love it. Uh, we're going to take a quick powder. Come back. Cool shit. Uh, what do we got for the interlude? Anything good? Fast? Heavy? Slow? Low? Always good. Just Always good. Sense. That's true. I like that. But you can listen to it. Bust lips and cut wrists, red bug chest when I feel like I'm getting fucked with. My wish connect your profits to a light switch. One flick permanent good night, bitch. Fuck with me and I can swallow your soul and watch rap gods crease like greenbacks and bill foes. Out of control like an addict, got a blow. Tragic cause the medicine I need, I can't afford. Maybe I should pay a visit to his home. Somebody tell the president I'm on his fucking home. Too far gone to be fixed, dilapidated like the trace. And I'm hoping there's something to make me feel better. Once again, we're back with your favorite segment, my favorite segment, Bobby's favorite segment, the Dark Lord's favorite segment, and Micah Parsons' favorite segment. What do we like to call it? We like to call it sacking the shit out of the quarterback or cool shit. And cool shit always starts out with the motherfucking mailbag. You know? All right. Stingers up, citrus splash. The Cowboys are 2-0, and and Micah Parsons is absolutely unstoppable. Time out for all you listeners. This is the definition of a declarative statement. We should pin that that statement. Absolutely unstoppable. All right. See how he does in the second half. Or she. I've been, or they. I've been a fan for a while and have always let down towards the end of the season. The schedule is tough with the Niners in the AFC East. Do you think this season will be any different? I, well, I, I mean, I hope so. But the, like I've always been saying, the real test will be week five when they play San Francisco. So we'll see like what this team is all about because it's week five. If this is the Cowboys that we know, they should be playing with all systems go and not stutter stepping like they like to do in December and January. But we just have to wait and see. I mean, the defense looks absolutely incredible. Um, They went two for six from the red zone on um, Sunday, which needs to be fixed because you, you need to score touchdowns when you're down there. That's, that's my only complaint right now. But uh, to be fair, they were in the lead on a lot of those games and they put points on the board. But when you go up against a team like San Francisco or Miami or even Buffalo, like you got to score touchdowns. 
Yeah, I, you know, I get that. I also, but part of it too is like, um, when you're playing from ahead like that, there's not as much urgency. Right. It's more like, you know, which is a bad, I, I agree with you. I think it's a bad thing. I think if you're in the red zone, you score touchdowns. Like, that's what championship teams do, right? Right. Um, but like overall, I'm very cautiously optimistic because I think that um we talked a lot of shit about Mike McCarthy coming in to, to call plays. But then I watched the first two weeks of the Chargers, and I'm like, oh man, maybe Mike McCarthy is actually going to be an upgrade because the Chargers look like shit just like they look like shit in every single way the Dallas Cowboys look like shit. Well, that's what they've been doing. They've been putting up if you put up 30 points, you shouldn't be losing. That's what that's all I'm saying. Like, that's all that's what I said since like the Tony Romo era. And like, you know, and to and to well onto this. And with uh Kellen Moore, he likes a lot of these sexy plays and stuff like that. And like would I would I agree with Mike McCarthy when you're in the lead, you gotta you you don't do anything to fuck that up. Because one interception can change the whole game. Like if, if, yeah. Sauce, if Sauce Gardner, Gardner gets that pick six, then my I don't I don't know the Cowboys probably still would have won, but it wouldn't have been such a blowout. Yeah, yeah, but when I'm like, you know, when I watched that the way the Chargers lost, it reminded me of the way the Cowboys used to lose: bad right. clock management, not getting plays in, not getting in the line of scrimmage. All the just like junior varsity type shit. And I don't know if Mike McCarthy's a great head coach or whatever, but he's probably great at keeping his job. Yeah. And if you have the talent he has, a good head coach who wants to keep his job should be able to win a lot of games. I agree with you. Week five, I think right now, Niners and Cowboys project as the best teams in the NFC. You probably throw the Eagles in there, although. I think the Eagles are suspect. They've, uh, you know, there's always the Super Bowl hangover, the Super Bowl loss hangover. Yeah. So, but uh, I absolutely agree that Micah Parsons is has been unstoppable. Um, and I just definitely want to say, like, understand, like, Demarcus Lawrence is a beast as well. The secondary is phenomenal. Dude, the like, whole Micah, defense is lights out. I know Micah Parsons is just able to excel because of all of that. And they're able to excel because of everything he does. So yeah, I was going to say that he elevates everyone and opens shit up for people when people 100%. are like double and triple teaming him. So, yeah, man, and it's like he's unblockable, dude. He'll it's still like, get through. He'll he's still just through. like he, he's either bigger or faster than you. So it's like, what are you going to do? And it's there's a lot of hyperbole going on, um, about how good he is, um, but it's crazy when they when people who have been reporting and uh, on the NFL and seeing lots of these great defensive players are putting him in the same category as like, you know, Derek Thomas or, or Lawrence Taylor. White. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor, or even like peak peak murderer Ray Lewis status, you know, yeah, like, for sure. As just their ability to like completely destroy your game plan. Yeah. So, no, I agree with that. Um, it's been it's been a fun two weeks for sure, but as Cowboys fans, we have lots of scars. So oh, we yeah. go into every week thinking we're going to lose. Very so. cautious into every week. Very. Although cautious. we're going to beat the shit out of Arizona, I don't go like there is no possible way 
that Kyler Murray is getting off on this defense. He's not even playing. Oh, whoever. I don't care who he's not playing. I don't care who's playing. Yeah, dude, that that should that should uh, they shouldn't have trouble with Arizona. Shouldn't is the key word. Yeah. Dak needs to have another just 115, 112 QB rating. Dude, his his passing completed or completion rate was 80%. Yeah, it was zero, zero interceptions. Exactly. Against a top tier defense. Don't just don't turn the ball over. That's it. And Tony Pollard looked nice. Yeah. I still think they need a back. I still think oh, we'll talk about it later in the NFL thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't want to get too much into it. But thanks. Thanks, Stingers Up, Citrus Splash. I think that should be a great catchphrase, new catchphrase for the show, Stingers Up. Well, if you didn't notice, my alma mater, Sacramento State, put the beating down on Stanford on Saturday. There we go. Not very often an FCS team puts the smack down on a power conference team. It was glorious. Glorious. I had to bring out my fitted for it. Next. Yes, Big Bill's Waterboy. With the actor's writer strike still in effect. That's a question to lead off. Mm, we're going to let it slide. Do you think WWE will finally be able to pull the trigger on Rock versus Reigns at WrestleMania? And how do you guys feel about it? No. And I don't feel anything about it. I don't, I don't want to see it, honestly. I do not want to see. The, if The Rock comes back and does a segment, great. Do I want to see him in a match? No. Absolutely not. Rock and Reigns? You thought the oh man, you thought Reigns and Brock Brock Lesnar and Reigns was was bad. Yeah, dude, this is going to be terrible. And I don't, and you know, like we've been saying, it's time to pull the trigger on Cody Rhodes. Like he he needs to be in the main event at WrestleMania, and he needs to win the title because this title thing with Reigns needs to be done. I'm done with it. Yeah, and I have I. Cannot believe that as we sit here on September 20th of 2023, that the writers are still going to be on strike in April of 2024. Right. Like it's just, it's unsustainable. At some point there will be like some sort of deal. I have my opinions on what I hope works out, but this is business. This is what's going to happen, but there is absolutely no way that television and movies are going to not be like, The Rock is going to be working. John Cena is going to be working. Honestly, Roman Reigns is going to be want to be working in the movie. So I don't, I don't, you know what? I, like, I just don't feel it's going to happen. So I have no opinion on that. So move on to the Nature Boy, Will Ferrell. Woo! We are influential. True. With Cody Rhodes and now Jade Cargill. Jumping ship to WWE. Who do you think? Who do you guys think would be a good fit with WWE from AEW? So first off, I just got to call shenanigans. Cody Rhodes and Jade Cargill are not the same. Yeah, serious. Like, like Jade Cargill <laughs> is not jumping ship. Like, you yeah, know. they're totally not the same. Not, so, not but not even. But the I same. get what the question's about. Yeah, yeah. Andrade, first off, like I think the first opportunity Andrade has to go back to he's gonna go back. He's gonna go back. What do you think about Ricky Starks? How do you think he's <sighs> small, do? dude? He's small, right? That's what I that's the first thing that came to my mind. Like 
and it's not and we're not um bagging on him because he's small but like no in, in wwe's eyes i'm he, recognizing the facts it's like if he could be he like you imagine a program with him and austin theory just the in ring is tough yeah the stare down because austin theory is just so much bigger than him so where do you put him right like how do you put him um what about brody uh, king do you think and and do you think Malachi Black goes back because he was a Triple H guy? Yeah, a hundred percent. And plus, his wife is it's, is prominent is being prominently featured and like, yeah, a hundred percent. I think that if Al if Malachi Black could go go back, he would. And I think you'd I think he brings a nice thing to the table, right? Like I loved him in uh, WWE, especially NXT with the way he came out, like, and then just his whole in ring style. It's just like. You don't get to see too much of it when they're doing him doing like the trios thing with them. And that's where he's kind of stuck in right now. And I think he's got so much more to offer than that. And I almost feel like they use it more as like a manager. Yeah. Right. Like he's, yeah, a, he's yeah. like, yeah. I mean, when he was just fucking roundhouse kicking fools to the fucking head, like, Oh, that was, that's such a great finish. Cause he's a shooter. He's, she's he's, a, he's, a, he's a legit shooter. I know. So yeah, I agree. I think he would go for sure. Um, obviously, like, I don't know where, like, I feel probably Luchasaurus would fit in. They, they'd give him a whole new gimmick, too. They would, they would, but as far as like your skill set, your size, what you can do, like, I think if you said Wardlow would be great, I don't know what Wardlow's doing. He's, yeah, man, they just, they just completely deflated Wardlow. I can't believe that. Imagine, remember the pops he was getting? Dude, his, well, again, it's like, what a testament to MJF, right? Yeah. Like, but even after that, yeah, he's like, his skill set is so good, his size, like everything he can do. Um, That's I feel it, like that I can think of, right? Off the top of my head. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. So with the LWO, like, could you bring more lucha, luchadors in? Like, are there room for more luchadors if you pull them into the whole LWO thing, which seems to have a lot of uh, legs right now? It does. It does, especially with um, Santos and um, Rey Mysterio going at it. And I just hope they don't do the cheap thing and have, like, Santos, like, turn. But um, that's another story for another time. But they have a lot of momentum too. That and then they're going to be entering a feud with the Street Profits. So, and the Street Profits are newly repackaged with Bobby Lashley. So I don't. I see that being okay. Yeah. Um, there's probably I would say like I think uh, Sheeta would be on Triple H's. She's got to be right. Right. And I feel like obviously they're not going to bring back any of the people that they cut. Oh, yeah. they have. Um, but it's like, the thing is, it's tough. It's like W and same thing with AEW. Like you have so many people. You, why are you signing more people? That's true. Like that's the last thing like either roster needs, I think is to add more people. And you're just trading assets, which doesn't make any sense. Like, no. But I guess that's what, like, that's what sports teams do. Like, ah, well, this three guard didn't fit in with us. We'll trade him for your two guard, then fit in with you, and we'll see. But in the end, it's like, 
you know, I don't know. But at the same time, as Triple H finishes stratifying his roster, there's going to be a bunch of people he's probably willing to be like. No, for sure. I agree with that. We will see. All right. Last up, the questions finishing up the mailbag DC Elite, which I feel is like somebody who loves DC shoes. I have all of them. Or the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, but probably not Washington, D.C. Oh, maybe like, too. Nobody likes D.C. elites. No, 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 no. Politicians, fuck them. Fuck Anyways, them. since CM Punk has been fired and his beef with the elite being very public, what do you guys think would have saved the situation to make all parties put their personal issues behind them? Wow, what a loaded question. <laughs> I know. Like, I mean, number one thing, I don't think the answer was to give Phil a show. No, that was definitely not the right, correct. That It was an answer, but it was incorrect. Yeah, it was appeasement in like what the did, worst what, way because he never made him sit down. Like what, they should have figured out early on if they could or could not work together. That's what I was going to say. You sit these guys in a room and you hash out and you make them do business. You know, this this could have been this could have been one of the hottest feuds in wrestling. Elite versus CM Punk. It could have been an FTR. An FTR, yeah. That could have been a really hot program. And you know, you get these guys because the object of the game is to make money. And I know AEW is making money, but this could have brought in more because now they have the the behind the scenes stuff. Then they bring it to the camera. I can keep going back to the Matt Hardy and Edge and Lita situation, dude. That was that feud was fire, and it wasn't even a main feud. So, like, that's what I think that could have it could have saved it. But Phil is a very outspoken and um, what's another word I'm going to use? Dude, he's just he's a tough he's a tough talent. He's like yeah. he's like Allen Iverson and all these other you know like super talented. Loves what he does. Has strongly opinionated. There we go. That was the word. And you know it's like. I've softened my stance on on CM Punk. Like, I think it was destructive in the way he went about it, but I don't necessarily think he was like, fuck this, I'm going to destroy everything. No. Although I do put some credence and probably he saw the writing on the wall when the Young Bucks got their extensions. Right, right. Right, like Tony Khan had made the decision at that point, like, who am I going to ride with for the next three, five years of this promotion? And you can't rely on CM. No, That's the other can't. thing. It's like, he doesn't want to admit it, but it's like, how, how, when were you going to get injured again? That's, that's what I was just going to bring up. You know? The guy's injury prone, you know, and which happens when you get, you know, a little uh, longer in the tooth. Dude, I hurt myself walking upstairs. Like this guy's wrestling and he's way beyond my ears. Like, you know, and 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 then the other the thing guy hurt too himself was, jumping into the crowd. So what yeah. is that? And what I want to say is this is this is like an interesting. It's an interesting um, kind of dynamic to look at is like why CM Punk clashed so hard. And Christian is like doing his best work. Yeah, not ever, but like, but he's doing his best work for the point that he's in in his career, dude. Exactly, and he and he's over, and he's he's on TV all the time, and all this stuff, and it's like, obviously, like 
I, I honestly don't feel that you could tell me that CM Punk at his height was was bigger than Christian. Like, in, in AEW, at least. Well, I mean, even in WWE, like Christian is still Christian. The latter match with the Hardys is better than any match CM Punk ever had. Disagree and, with and that. I disagree. You disagree with that? I disagree with that. Because he's had matches with Brian. He's had matches with Cena. Those were good. You know, the matches with Jericho were good. I, I, I mean, the latter They're match. They're not iconic. None of them are iconic. Uh, good point. Like, but in my, in my opinion, I can't, I can't ride with that. Right. Because, because Christian always took a backseat to Edge, right? No, not really. I just, you know, I just prefer like a one-on-one match versus like ladder matches and stuff like that. But I, I, I see your point. Don't get me wrong. And even beyond all that, maybe they're not, but like, why does one succeed so and like seem to fit in so well and one doesn't? Like, why is what is that? Like, what is the is it personality? Is it's, it expectations? It's the, it's the type it of Tony person Khan? that Punk is, and you know, and it's he's just like a like he said, he's a hard he's a hard egg to work with, and you know, the guy knows what he wants, and he's still carrying a lot of like grudges and stuff like that. He's just an angry dude. So, you know, this is what's going to happen when things don't fly their way. I know it. I used to be an angry dude. So, like, I can see where he's coming from. But before we move on, that was our mailbag. And if you want to get into this and on it and get your questions published, be like our friend Stinger Splash, Citrus Splash, and um, come with a definitive uh, statement. And you can get after us on Instagram. I'm at Xander Hobbs. That's X-A-N-D-E-R underscore H-O-B-B-E-S. Bobby, where can they find you? Wrestleocalypse sounds like it's spelled, but you know that because you're probably listening to us. Um, And I'm on the Instagram and the threads machine. And make sure when you listen to this on Spotify, if you haven't done so already, give us a follow. Show us some love. Give us some likes. And we'll be sure to show it back. A hundred percent. All right. So now we're on to our match of the week. And Bobby, you actually had the pleasure of putting out this match of the week. We're going to go back to 1998 to ECW with. Man, I think I was, I was probably wearing some, um, I don't know, probably some skate shoes, probably some DBSs, maybe. Maybe the Vans Cab Sixes. I know I had some. I had some uh, Eric Costin ESs. Oh, I had those. And hey, I had- it's interesting that you said that as a sneaker myself. They're they just re, they're re releasing uh, the Muskas with the stash pocket. Oh, are they really? I remember those shoes. Dude, I, had, I showed I, I showed Betty Rebel. I was like, she's like, I had those. Like, yeah, everybody wanted those. Yeah. It was the first skate shoe at a hundred dollars. Yep. Yep. Sure was. And uh, just crazy. It's just, uh, but yeah, this match I saw, I caught this uh, thanks to our friends on threads. Uh, somebody posted this and they just basically said like, it was something like inject, inject this walkout music into my veins. I was like, Oh, I need to check this out. And then I just like, this is peak RVD. Oh yeah, for sure. Like, and so this is Rob Van Dam, the ECW champion or television champion, I should say, going up against Lance Storm. And um, this was a, this is Lance Storm. People forget about him because he's pretty much just a uh, in-ring guy, but he's 
was awesome in the ring. On, on I forgot about him. <laughs> I basically like I saw this thing on social media and I went to the Google machine and I was like, all the matches, Landstorm, 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 Landstorm. I was like, oh my god, he basically he'd been he's like he's been a main eventer in almost every promotion. I feel yeah, like and he earned it and he's really good, and especially in this match. Um, yeah, I just think this match like. I don't know. I feel like this is a quintessential 1998 rest, professional wrestling match. No, for sure. For and ECW. For, yeah, definitely for ECW. We had appearances from Sabu and Chris Candido in yeah. the match as well. Um, lots of shenanigans that goes on. I think you should watch it. It's a short watch. It's uh, only meta, it's only about like eight minutes from bell to bell. But like we're not going to put on like, you know, just like 60 minute classics all the time. Because um, some of these matches are good. And this is one that you should check out as well. If you don't know too much about the whole fucking show, Rob Van Dam, he is a great, he was a great, great wrestler and a big marijuana advocate. So we like him even more because of that. And um, yeah, just check it out on the YouTube machine. You can find it. Rob Van Dam versus Lance Storm, 1998. Yeah. And like, uh, just to follow up, Rob Van Dam and Sabu ended up having a tag team matches, right? Against- yeah, they were a tag team. Because like the land, the, all of these four were in like this kind of extended program, which is cool. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, and Rob, people like when you watch early Rob, like he was a shooter. Oh, for sure. Like the guy definitely had, and then obviously he's got the yeah his whole deal. But yeah, I love that. Thanks, like. Thanks to everybody who's putting good matches on the Instagram and the threads. And if you have a match you want us to check out and review, please send it to us. You can go back in time on the Spotify. There's like a little backwards 15 seconds. If you hit it enough times, you can get our contact information because there's so many good wrestling matches that like we don't remember. We maybe haven't seen send them to us. Like, especially if you guys have stuff from like new Japan, or anything like just send them to us let us check them out and we definitely would love to love to feature them on match of the week for sure but now what are you watching non-wrestling related um battle of the decades is a new cooking show where they put like an old person and a young person together and then the food is like thematic to a decade and then as they work through at the end the teammates have to face off against each other and it's just another cooking show with a slightly different, you know, gimmick to it. But we've enjoyed it. It's really fun. Like the old guys and the young people like going after it. Um, Mythbusters Jr., Betty, uh, Betty Rebel and I have always loved the Mythbusters. Now the prodigy has found and it's cool because it's Adam and he's got a bunch of like kids who are doing all the different experiments and stuff. So it's pretty fun. Um, like I talked about earlier, floor is lava. Prodigy loves it. It's hilarious. People, not quite as bad as Wipeout, but people wreck themselves. Like, because the whole bottom is slime. And even as you're, even if you're doing really good, as you move through it, everything gets slippery and slipperier and more slippery. And uh, it's pretty fun to watch. And then lastly, Halloween is in the air. And so we've been watching Halloween Wars and Halloween Baking Championship because we do this every year. 
All right. That That's it. That is all. I we've just stick been sticking on the righteous gemstones tip. That show is getting heavy. <laughs> like, it, it oh is, man. It I is cannot wait. I cannot wait to tell Betty about that. She is like it's funny to say it this way. She is the biggest evangelist for that show because she loves the um she likes to call it she says it's blasphemous, and that's what she likes the most about it. Which is hilarious. So. Yeah, it's just such a great show. I don't want to give too much away for some of you listeners out there that haven't watched it yet that are interested. So I'm going to keep it right there. And then I've just been watching chat sports, getting all the up-to-date news on the Dallas Cowboys. If you got Cowboy fans that are out there, um, check it out. It's on YouTube. Just type in chat sports. And it's like quick 10, 15-minute videos. Gives you all the stuff you need to know. Um, it's a good show. The guy's voice doesn't annoy me. So that's great. And um, yeah, that's all I've been watching though. Awesome. Well, that's good because your chat sports has prepared you well for our next segment. Our favorite, the favorite seasonal segment. Offsides and delay a game. Yes. So So what'd you think about week two? What are some of your uh, hot takes? um, Russell Wilson is washed. There's no way Sean Payton Sean Payton is going to let him lose this week and his ass is benched and Sean Payton is not going out like that. He's not letting Russell Wilson tarnish him. And I feel that uh, by week four, Denver will have a new quarterback and like, it was terrible. Like, how do you give up that lead, man? Like you're fucking a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Come on. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's the, maybe he's just a system guy. He's just in the wrong system. I think he's uh I think he's taken enough hits in his life and made enough money that it's not worth it to do anymore. And he yeah. doesn't love the game, he doesn't love winning enough. Like that it's like he's doing the same shit. It's like it, everything is seems the same until he doesn't run and he throws some cockamamie pass that doesn't get, you know, that doesn't go to its intended receiver. And it's like the guy who used to like do these crazy scrambles and run and like, you know, it's crazy because it's like he had that rap like he's too small. He's too small out of Wisconsin. And then he like proved it wrong. And then he won the Super Bowl, got paid. Admittedly, took a bunch of hits. And He's like, yo, I'm not that guy anymore. <laughs> like, but you're not big enough. He's not big enough or his physical attributes don't allow him to, to change his game to be more of a pocket passer. So you're not going to run, like, get the fuck out of here. Right, right, right. So Um, that was, that to me, it's like, what? it's just a weird career. Like, he overperformed for what, you know, his draft stock was or what the projections were. He had a perfect, he had this perfect kind of uh, situation with Pete Carroll and this fucking crazy defense, right? Dan Quinn ran. Yes, Dan Quinn ran. That's my boy right there. Xander, not Dan Quinn, Xander. <laughs> With the details. But yeah. like, you know, it was like just the Legion of Boom and and Richard Sherman and everything. And like, and then it just like it was a flash in the time. It was like I guess and so. they have name recognition and we all know him, but like he's not that guy anymore, man. He's just no. not that guy. Guess not. And then um, I see you have Lamar Jackson doing Lamar Jackson things. 
Because if healthy, Lamar Jackson is that guy. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league, I think. The problem is, is like the way he plays and the just the reality is, is like how many games is he going to miss? Like, where does that put the team? Is he going to be healthy when it matters? But like week two, he was that dude. Like he was the second best player next to Micah Parsons, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Probably the best offensive player. Like he just like, they couldn't stop him. Anything he wanted to do, he could do like, and it was cool to see it. Like, cause when you, when there's really good players, you want to see him be really good. You don't want to see him be injured in that stuff. So I really like that. Um, obviously we talked about it. I want you to have the opportunity to gush. Yeah, man. Certainly like, glad we didn't draft Patrick Sertan. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I was, I was, I was watching some stuff about that the other or today actually. Um, Michael Parsons is just like the a previous writer said is just unstoppable. And the thing is that defense is just lights out. I know that they played the Giants and I know that they played the Jets without Aaron Rodgers. But what are they supposed to do? Are they supposed to lose those games? No, they're supposed to make a statement. And the thing is. I see this defense holding, you know, like they're not going to have games like this all the time. I um, live in reality. But what they did in week two was just awesome defensive wise. Three sacks. Micah Parsons had two of them. Um, Three interceptions. I mean, our secondary are just ball hawks. It's yeah. And the scheme is right. Has been right anyways. Like. And we're not, like you said, we're not going to know until week five. Although I'm not like 100%, I didn't put this in there, but week two, like, I don't know, like, I know Brock Purdy is Mr. Irrelevant and all, but like, I'm not super sold on Brock Purdy. Yeah, but he's just got so many like good weapons around him. Oh, I mean, yeah, he just needs to hand it off. He's got Christian McCaffrey, he's got Ayuk, he's got Debo. He's got I understand. Kill. I understand. That's like that team. That team scares me. Uh, they, they yeah, because me. they beat us the last two years in the goddamn playoffs and such in some of the like stupid, craziest game nonsense. It's like like not being able to get the ball off in time management. That's right. Going back to what I said earlier, fucking Mike McCarthy, get your shit right. Yeah, so far he has. So yeah. I hey, if that. all if all, the only thing he does is call conservative plays and manage the clock with this defense, we're probably in a better situation to move on, like to go farther than we were with explosive plays. But like, oh God, it's fourth down. Like, what do we do? You know, right? And then so, yeah, so those games have been atrocious. Hopefully, week five we see some something we like to see, but um. The other team I want to talk about a lot is the Miami Dolphins. Shout out to Ryan out there who does or doesn't listen to the show, but he doesn't. But I'm going to send. I'll make sure he does. <laughs> but um, they've been looking great. Like Tyreek Hill is just a monster. He's going to give us problems when they when we play them. Um, and Tua has just been playing lights out. Some of the throws he makes is just like. And like, if he's healthy and played seventeen games, his stats are going to be crazy. Yeah, out of out of this world, right. crazy good. Well, I mean, isn't that the, that's the whole thing, right? And that's the whole thing with every single player in the NFL. You're only as good as you are as available. He is just 
you worry about it because of his history, right? Yeah. You rely on the past to project the future. But if he stays healthy, they're going to be really good. I feel like they have surpassed the Bills in the NFC East. I looked at the Bills and I was like, man, this is the team that lo- their window is is almost closed. Like they had all they had the cheap quarterback with all the talent and they've missed on some drafts. Some players have left and all of a sudden they're not quite as good as they used to be. And this Miami team seems fucking stacked. Yeah, they they're stacked and they got better. Their core their coach in almost every matchup is probably better than your coach. Yeah. You yeah. know. So it's like they just have a lot of opportunities to succeed. So we're going to see. And like you said, yeah, the, yes, Tyree Hill will give us problems, but Mike Parson could put two out for the season. So that's, that, that is true. Yeah. Very true. So that's- it's, it's going to be an interesting, it's an interesting thing, but um, it is weird to see the, the Bengals and the bills both kind of floundering um, Joe Burrows. I don't know what he like. Perhaps he hurt himself carrying his huge paycheck or something. Not a good look for him. I don't judge him for it. It's great. It's there's no correlation. It's just the breaks of the game with football. But um, disappointed the Browns couldn't pull it out. Like yeah. I was surprised on that. Deshaun yeah. Watson does not look worth the money. Yeah, that was a bad problem. Yeah, and then they lost um, Nick Chubb. Chubbs. Dude, every the guy, the guy everybody loves. You're left yeah. with the guy everyone hates. <laughs> Dude, no. that that was nasty. I I rewatched. I got a clip online of it. That was he might be done done. Like Napoleon Kaufman done done. Yeah, because that's the same knee that he had issues with that he injured last time. So I mean, and the way that knee went, and they're saying they won't even say what's wrong. They said it's dislocated, and he tore a bunch of tendons. So that's bad. Yeah. Easy peasy. He'll be back. Right. Right. But this is what I'm excited for is these five games that you have picked. And we are going to be betting against or either for or against the spread with the over unders. So let's get through this. We're just going to be making some picks and I'm going to put them on here. Um, You said you went two for five on, on last week's. Yeah. Um, Which I think probably like, are you counting like you want to get do you want to get both the spread and the over under? Well, I was talking just in? the spread. Like okay, you're my, just going for my spread. picks that I'm in. I'm in like a pickums league. So you're doing so spreads. We're doing the spread, but we can do the over under here. But like. if we looked at it, you were probably like at least seven for ten because you got all the over unders right. Right. Yeah. We won't go back and look at it. It's too much work and like. But we're gonna start from here. I'm gonna enter these. I'm gonna enter these into the actual Google Doc. Versus the notebook. So obviously every single week we are going to pick the Cowboys games because it's easy because we're going to pick Cowboys, but uh, 12 and a half points Cowboys at Cardinals, 12 and a half points. Are you take, are you taking it with the spread? I think I'm going to take it this week. I am too. I think I'm going to take it. So both take the points and they'll probably cover the over under by themselves. We're going. I agree. We're going over. Chargers Vikings. I love this one because I feel like they're the same team. This it, is a like, coin. Yeah, it's just, it's a coin flip. It's a one yeah. point spread. 
the over under is really like not. I I don't think it's based on the uh, week two, but like, I mean, somebody's gonna probably have to score thirty. I can see both these teams are, uh, can score points. So, I mean, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the points for the Chargers, and then I'm gonna bet on the over. I I am with you on both of those. I feel like the Chargers end up kicking a field goal to win like thirty to twenty seven. Right, exactly. That's yeah. like that's the score that I'm looking at because they can't ever stop anybody, and Herbert always seems to bring them back into the. He always seems to cover in the fourth. Yeah. Like, Bills of Commanders. This is interesting. Commanders two and zero. 2-0 Commanders. Who would have Overperforming. Thought? Yeah. Over lots of good vibes. Like no more Dan Snyder, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, good vibes. I mean, Ron Rivera all of a sudden seems to coach better. <laughs> but yeah. and the Bills kind of underperformed early on. So the Buffalo is only only. They're favored by seven, and the over-under is 45 and a half. I'm taking the Bills and the over. That's what I was going to do too. Um, because both teams can score points. They scored points last week. Um, Buffalo will get this win. I think the ride is over for the commanders. I, you know, they kind of escaped against Denver. Yeah. They t- well, I mean, it's like, well, no, because they were down most of the game. Yeah. But still it's like, listen, if we, if we believe that Russell Wilson is washed, they're not a very good team to let him get out to that lead in the first place. That's true. Right? They, like they were yeah. they were unprepared at the beginning of the game. So they made some adjustments. Good for you, Ron Rivera. But like I don't know. They're not a 2-0 team. I don't even they're I don't think they're better than the Giants. No, no, I don't think so at all. So it's like they've just cut some lucky breaks and I think the Bills are going to come out and be like Josh Allen's gonna be like, I'm gonna break the, I'm gonna beat the brakes off you. I'm gonna reestablish ourselves. Like everyone's talking about Tua. Everybody's talking about these guys. Like I'm done, you know. So I feel like this is a big game for the Bills. And I think next week, if the Bills lose, we're gonna circle back and talk about like, are the Bills done? Has their window closed? And that true, true, true. Thursday night game, the New York Football Giants. At the San Francisco 49ers, San Francisco is favored by 10 and a half with an over under of 45. I think I'm going to take Frisco and the over. Yeah, me too. It's crazy. Like I felt last week, the lines were the over unders were super high. And after last week, I think all of them are like, oh, it's totally over. It's over. It's over. They're going to score points. Like you put put over, you put under. Oh, I'm sorry. That's why I'm doing it here, right? There you go. Um, but isn't that how you felt like last week? Like I feel like oh, this, it's like 48 seems like so high. It's like yeah, it seems like, like a lot of points. Yeah. And again, the the league wants people to score points, right? That's the whole. There, that's the everything whole, that's is the whole point. You're just scoring points. And I mean, the only reason we're taking the over is because Dallas is going to hold the Cardinals to zero points. That's that's why. That's like literally like they could literally get just like a touchdown and a couple field goals and still cover. So 
but it's it's been an interesting football season so far. I'm super excited. I love doing this. It gets me more engaged and more back into it. It makes me enjoy watching some of the games during the day. Um, I haven't done it, but I hear a ton of positive things about the new uh, Sunday ticket on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I we didn't do it either just because I work most of the time on Sundays. But not I, worth it. Yeah, it's not, you know, and plus they show a lot of Cowboys games anyway. And then you can get the same amount of stats and same amount, almost the same amount of action getting the red zone. So we watch a lot of the games like we watch red zone pretty much. So that I got that on me. So when I'm at work, I can stare at that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, moving on to our last game, though. What do we we got the Philadelphia Eagles, who very much disappointed me last week um, at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So Philly is negative six point five. I think Philly is a pretty stacked team, but I don't think they are as invincible as everybody else thinks. I also think there is a legit Super Bowl loss hangover effect. Baker Mayfield has led a team to the playoffs. They still have talent left over from the Tom Brady championship Bucks. They're at the Bucks. Philadelphia, I feel is I think this is a pretty good line based on what it was on Monday. They're favored by less than a touchdown. And the over-under is 44 and a half. I feel like I'm picking the Bucks to cover and I'm going with the over. This is the one that I'm having trouble with. Um I think the Eagles win, but they don't cover. So yeah, I'm going to take the Bucks to cover too. But I'm going to take the under. You're going to go over. Okay. Right? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, man. That one's interesting. Yeah. Cause they like the Bucks still have a bunch of talent. Like they do. And Baker Mayfield, like, he's got had his ups and downs, but like when he's on, he's on though. He's led a team to the playoffs. The and the Browns, not just any team, like Yeah, the Browns. There's a reason why he had all the insurance commercials. Right. Like that's right. So. But it's also weird, too. It's like. So much of football is just based on like where what where your talents fit. I was listening to a podcast today and they were talking about uh, USC receiver Nelson Aguilar. And it's like he was terrible. And then he got to the new team. and He's like, oh, my God, this guy's fucking fantastic. It's like, well. Right. When your whole sport is based on scheme, if you're put if your talents are put in the wrong scheme, it really sucks for you. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's one thing about baseball. You go up and you just gotta hit the ball. Yeah. No scheme. There's no scheme. Like no ball hit ball. But anyways, we are running long on time. 
Let's go. Let's get this out. It. Let's knock this out of the park, bro. All right. Get rid of one. Another award-winning segment of the Wrestleocalypse. And it is my turn. And today we are going marijuana strains as Bobby lights one up. So are we going to go with the Grape White or the OG Kush or the Sour Diesel or the Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> Those are all delicious. But for me, it comes down to the OG Kush and the Sour Diesel. Those are nostalgic strains for me. Back in the day, Sour Diesel, I loved it. Um, it was always super good. Uh, we knew a guy in Simi who had was selling one of the best strains of Kush. So I'm like really torn on it. I'm getting rid of the other two. They're not bad. I like Girl Scout cookies. It's a modern strain. I'll buy it when I'm, when it's available. I like it in the vaporizers. But for me, I have to go with the OG Kush. You're getting, rid of, you're getting rid of OG Kush. No, no. Oh, I'm sorry. What am I getting rid of? That's right. I thought you were telling me to pick what my favorite was. I oh. forgot what this whole thing was about. No. If I'm getting rid of one, I'm getting rid of Girl Scout cookies. Okay. It's good. I like it, but it's not um, remarkable. And I think, like I said, I have nostalgia for the other two and it's just like for me the girl scout cookies is like if it's available if it's the only thing available i'll get it i like it but it it's not remarkable to me it might as well be any other strain i will be getting rid of the girl scout cookies as well like there's there's like a strain inside of a strain that's like a girl scout cookies with like i forget what the other strain was that i like that was really good but um for me the grape white is what i have right now and it's phenomenal and then, um, like you said, back to your point, the Sour Diesel and the OG Kush have been around forever. And, like, those are just two great ones. Um, I just, like, I feel like I have to have more of the Girl Scout cookies, even though it's, like, you have to, like, smoke more of it or consume more of it, however, however way you do it, for you to get, like, the reaction that you want. Yeah, That's and, that, like, I'm never getting rid of any grape Strain. No, no, all the grape strains are really good. Grape soda, grape ape, grape ape, grape ape yeah. is, is a fantastic one. Yeah, and they're all cousins. Like, I love Granddaddy Purple. Like, yeah, all of that one. stuff. Never gonna get rid of that. And then, yeah, and, and Girl Scout cookies is not bad. Like, I love to eat thin mints, but if I'm smoking, I'm looking for the other three first for sure. Yeah, and then make sure if you guys are marijuana consumers or connoisseurs give us some of your strains that you like and that you would be into and uh see if we missed anything but those are the shoot ones that- even these days like what products are you guys liking what do you like i'm a stizzy guy i like it i like the battery i like the cartridge like portable um but like what flower brands do you like what vapes do you like like let's get that going yeah, we're always looking for something new on the Wrestleocalypse. Yeah, man. Anything anything to uh, engage with our listeners? Now that we have that out of the way, we're getting ready to head to the ring. Bobby, as you're warming up, what are you queuing up at for your walkout? All right, all right, all right. 
This is from 2011, and this song is called I Only Go to School for the Handrails. It's by a band called Forests, and I believe it's on an album called We. Oh, Forests is a good band. Uh, it's Yeah, it's really good. And I love this. I really, really love this. And I actually... Um, the whole song is great, but we have a limited amount of time that we can put it on our podcast. Uh, so it will not, I will not be putting this from the beginning to at the beginning, but it is so good. There's so many good changes. The, nice. Nice. Everything about it's really good. Really I like when it. we show it's like a fantastic. Yeah. And also we just want to like, you know, it's walkout music, right. you know, there's, when it hits, it hits. And that's when I want to come out with the pyrotechnics. You know what I mean? There we go. So um, really love this song. Force is an excellent band. Uh, the album cover is great. So you can check it out now. Hi, I'm Chad Celsius. I'm going to teach you how to backboard handrails today. Let's go. I'm coming out to something a little different as usual. This is a 2017 offering of the band Arcspire. They're a technical death metal band from Canada. And it's off the album Relentless Mutation. And this song's a banger. It's called Remote Tumor Seeker. And I was privileged enough to see this live. And um, it's just it just hits. If you're into this kind of music, um, you'll love it. If not, I don't know what to tell you, but except for listen right now. That's right. And that song hits and it hits all the way through. And you can find this song, Bobby's song, the interlude and the outro on the ever growing playlist of 2023 Spotify songs to Swanton to. I was listening to it today. It's fantastic. It's so um, good. It's, it's in so the link. Good. It's in the show notes. So I didn't even think we could top 2022, but like, but we the just get the it. music that we're bringing into this one is pretty insane. It's going to be, it's going to be a struggle for like walkout of the year. 
It is. It is. I know I've got a few, you put a few on there that I've already marked into my notebook. So I'm just trying to do the same, but it is like, we're really just stepping the game up every single week. Yeah, I'm going to start marking some off too. And then uh, I'm excited for this year in review that we have already in the books and the gears turning. So I know it's crazy. It's like, we're really getting good at our craft and we're just moving it forward. Right. And it's almost like, it's like, I'm Shawn Michaels. And you're Marty Jannetty. Oh, that's right. And I'm just like passing those checks. But anyways, but so we brings- are in the ring now, and we are presenting to you the Dark Side of the Ring episode with the curious case of Marty Jannetty. What a fucking wackadoodle! <laughs> like a little bit of a backstory. Um, he was in the tag team with Shawn Michaels, WWE Hall of Famer, who we've talked about ad nauseum on this show since we've started it. Um, one of the greatest to lice a pair of boots, but his tag team partner in the Rockers was Marty Jannetty. And um, Marty Jannetty was the older one of the two, so he was kind of the one showing Shawn Michaels all the ropes. But, man, talk about, like, just story after story, not knowing what to believe. And the way this guy operates is just crazy. Like, I think McMahon said that he has a permanent black cloud over his head. <laughs> and and sometimes as a person that used to have a black cloud over your his head, that that's self-induced. And a lot of the situations that you get into will produce that so-called black cloud. So what did you think of all this? I didn't, like, I didn't realize... I don't think I remembered how big the rockers actually were. Uh, I did. Yeah. Because for me, it was like, you know, more of it. It was like, what do you remember the rockers? Well, you remember fucking Shawn Michaels coming through the barbershop window. Right. Yeah. Like, and that's, and that's a disservice. And that was a disservice to the rockers, which I understand Marty Gennetti's beef with it. Right. 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 Like that's fucked up. Um, and then my other thing was that dude's a fucking wackadoodle. He's fucking this guy. This guy who seems drunk in this show is telling us how drunk he was. He tried to sleep. And Marty Jenny's response to that was to shoot his gun to wake him up and then blame him for sleeping to make him shoot his gun. Like, oh, that's not a healthy. That's not like that is like primo gaslighting right there. Yeah, man. And it's like, and that's, and that's the thing, but like, he was super talented, dude. Like, yeah, he was good. He was good. Like the Rockers were one of my favorite tag teams when I was a kid. And like, I, I loved, loved, loved the Rockers. And like going back to that, I remember when Shawn Michaels threw him through the barbershop window, I was sad as a kid and I hated Shawn Michaels, but just Marty Jannetty just couldn't get, get out of his own way. Let's just say 100%, right. It's fucking Matt Riddle. It's Matt Riddle, right? Oh, it's it's totally Matt Riddle. It's like I have ultimate talent, ultimate physical skills. I just like I want to shoot my gun to wake some dude up, or I want to like whatever it is, right? I, I just I can't conform enough to succeed. Exactly, and it's like, and it's it's not really even conforming that much because Shawn Michaels was in the mix of all that debauchery himself, you know. And sometimes when you just you're not when the juice isn't worth the squeeze, people are going to let you go. Yeah, man. And it's like he was a little bit. I mean, obviously, there were drugs, right? 
Yeah. But even sometimes in the ring, he was a, just a little bit reckless. Yeah. Cause well, remember when he broke that guy's neck and exactly. Uh, so I mean, like, I don't want to get is, is Marty Jannetty the representation of his generation of wrestling? Probably. Yeah. I would right? say like, like really good talent in all around talent, physical skills, all of that. But just like, couldn't get out of his own way. The drugs, everything of that era of wrestling. Marty Jannetty is like the poster by four. Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, we got to tell them where to watch this in case the people haven't seen this. Um, you can catch Dark Side of the Ring on demand now because the show's over. You can catch it on Vice. Vice Network on YouTube or the Vice channel. They play Vice. We like Vice. Vice shows a bunch of cool stuff, including this show, which we like to cover the show because we like to talk about, you know, just the interactions of the past generation of wrestling and how different things are today versus yesterday. Yeah, yeah. And also they they bring a lot of the old school guys in to, to talk about it. It was interesting. I saw a recent thing. Um, uh, what do you call him? Uh, Buck, Bucktooth? Kevin Pritchard? Oh, Kev- Kevin Kevin Dunn. Kevin Dunn. I, yeah. Or no, no, maybe it was Bruce Pritchard. One of the two. They were saying how, like, I will never participate in that show again after the first season because I didn't like yeah. It's like, oh, that, oh. you know what? Like, that makes it even better. That makes it more. That's better. I agree. I agree. And I do like how, like, they've got a lot of the old old school cats who come on and really break it down. And and it's like, first off, all of their memories are wrong. Much like probably all ours are as well. Right. Like we remember, like you get older and and everything that happens, but it's just really cool to hear that first person perspective. Yeah. Especially from people that were there. Mm -hmm. And like I said, again, they may remember it way different than like, that's why it's cool to hear two people's, recollections which are like completely different exactly but like both of those are part of that story and part of that reality so that's what makes the show good yeah and vice i think vice also had um right they've got they like they supported a lot of really great shows um i'm sorry they went bankrupt and i hope it works itself out and the content is still available but like didn't they do like they did some good cooking shows and they did they did a bunch of stuff yeah, they d- did stuff with like I really like this show on there called uh, "Fuck It's Delicious" with Action Bronson. Yes, like, that's a good show. That's a great um, show. Dark Side of the Two Thousands and the Nineties is good. Like they 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 have good content. Like and they have like quick little YouTube shorts that you can watch, like these 20, 30 minute documentaries that are pretty good too. So make sure you check that check that channel out. Yeah, I don't know if there's going to be another season of Dark Side. No, I don't know either. I didn't hear anything about it. And then I think the lastly is like, it was weird with this whole thing that like maybe Marty Jannetty killed a person. Yeah, that was <laughs> like the way it ended. It was like, yeah, like, is like a, is this like a snooka thing? Like it's to me, it's like, I don't think, cause he said it's a wrestling angle. And I was like, I don't think Marty Jannetty can think that deep. Honestly. No. No, and the other thing is, like, based on everything earlier on the season, it's like his brain's tapioca pudding. Exactly. Like, the drugs, the drugs affect you. 
Oh, they do. And then especially when you're getting slammed on the head like a bunch of times. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. That's going to do it too. So a lot of these guys, I'm glad they're still here, but a lot of them are gone. Yeah. And I mean, the reality is, is like Marty Gennetti was going to be the, the biggest talent if Shawn Michaels didn't turn on him. The no. reason Shawn Michaels turned on him is because he knew he was being overshadowed <laughs> by Marty Gennetti. So. Yep. Just saying. On that note. Could you we- imagine, well, hold on, before we get it. Could you imagine Margie, Marty Gennetti looking at Rick Lerman like, I love you, before he super kicked him? I can't. I, I and can't, I, do that I can't live without that moment in wrestling history. So, right. Sorry about you, like Marty Gennetti. Now yep. And since we can't top that, yours truly, Xander Hobbs. Ours truly in this life, Bobby B. And always reminding you to show empathy, protect the planet and animals, and support the Wrestle Apocalypse. Booyaka Shah.